Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the local church, the perfect place for imperfect people. I'm excited for what God is going to do today, what God has been doing, and what God will continue to do. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to show you this picture of me and my family. Uh, This is not a recent picture. This is a picture uh, about three Mother's Day ago here at the local church, and I love this picture. I put this picture. It's on my desk, so every time I sit down in my office, I can see this picture, and I love this picture for several reasons. First of all, do you know how impossible it is to get a photo like that? If you have little kids, everyone's looking at the camera and smiling. That's a miracle. So that's a reminder of a miracle. But the other thing is, is all my kids are a little bit young in this photo. They're still a lot more innocent than they are today. They're still so precious in this picture. And so it's a reminder for me of how much I love my kids. Like my kids have no idea how much I love them in this picture. I'm smiling. That's not a forced smile. That, that's a natural smile because I love my children so much. And no matter what they do, No matter who they are, nothing will ever be able to change the love I have for my kids. I love them for who they are, good or bad. And how many of us know little kids can be bad sometimes, right? Oh my gosh, when when they disobey me, when they don't listen to me, when they do their own thing, when I tell them, hey, dad knows best, don't do that, don't do it, you're gonna hurt yourself, you're gonna break something, don't do it, And, and then they do it. It's like, I told you, you're gonna hurt yourself, you're gonna break the thing. It doesn't matter how often they disobey me. I love them. And nothing's ever gonna change that love. The reason I showed you this picture today is because I wonder how many of us, when we think of our relationship with God, We have a picture like this in mind, where he's smiling at us, where he's embracing us, where he's holding us in his arms, and he's so full of love. See, I'm an imperfect father. I'm the world's okayest father, but we have a heavenly father who's perfect in every way, and he chooses to love us with an unending love. I pray today that that you would understand this, that you would see your heavenly father as someone who smiles upon you, who loves you, who cares for you. John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world. That's you. He so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And for imperfect sinners like us, this is good news. In fact, this is the good news. And in this series, we're, we're talking about this good news called the gospel. And our hope and our prayer is that, that we would be able to communicate to, to the people of God, the church, on how we can communicate this, how we can share this good news with people around us who need this hope. So we're talking about communicating the good news, but we're also creating some good news. One of the things we want to do is every week we, we want to celebrate some good news. And so I have some today. Can we celebrate some good news today? The first good news I want to share about is my daughter, Emma Gamero. She lost her tooth, and she's celebrating that. Hey, real quick, 
That's not me, okay? I know some of you think, oh, you look different, Eric. Listen, to all of us, we don't look the same. That's my, that's my brother, that's your uncle. He's right here today. He was braver than I was. He's just like, oh, so disgusting. I can't even think about it. But she's like, Daddy, can we celebrate that I lost my tooth? Absolute baby girl, I love you. So we're celebrating Emma Gamero. She lost her tooth this week. Crystal Santiago, can we celebrate her? She wants to celebrate that God bless her with a new laptop for her new business. I wonder how you got that. Hey, we're, we're so grateful to come alongside and to, to bless someone in our church family. Like Kathleen Porter, Kathleen Porter, she was nominated for Rookie Teacher of the Year. Can we celebrate that? I mean, and, and then post-pandemic, that, that you dealt with our kids and loved them, and now you're nominated. But congratulations to that. Austin and Maria Ranton, this week celebrating their nine-year anniversary. We're celebrating with you guys. Liz Escar, she's been praying for an opportunity, praying for the perfect job, took a step of faith and left her old job because she knew it wasn't what God had called her to. And we're celebrating with Liz today that God just opened up the door. Last week, she started this new opportunity. We're celebrating with you, Liz. Come on, let's do that. The other one's from our own pastor buddy Johnson. I wanted to celebrate because I'm just so thankful for what God has allowed us to be a part of. Uh, several months ago, Pastor Buddy started a Bible study at Everglades Correctional Facility, and that has grown and it's turned into a midweek service where, where they join with us and they watch these Sunday services. And so to all of our church family over at Everglades Correctional Facility. Hey, we love you. We're so grateful that you're watching with us, that you're growing with us. And, and not only that, but we, we, we were able to connect with this, this app called Panda, which every single inmate all across the United States are able to, to watch content and grow in their spiritual life from other churches. And, and, and since we've been on Panda for the past two weeks, we've seen 10 people give their life to Jesus through that. We're celebrating 10 lives forever transformed, 10 people now having the hope of Jesus in their life. And that's good news. And so we want to celebrate that good news. But the other thing we want to do, we want to communicate the good news and, and, and teach us how we can boldly share this without any sort of burden. They're not thinking it's like something that we're forced to do. We want to communicate the good news. We want to celebrate good news. And we've also wanted to create some good news. And we've been able to do that over the past several weeks. In fact, if you were here last Sunday and you were here in person, uh, we did a reverse offering. And, and instead of getting money, we, we gave away money. We gave away $20,000 to every single person so that they could be a part of building a bridge and loving and caring people and having an opportunity to point them to the God who loves them through his son, Jesus and we've heard so many stories, and I want to continue to, to encourage you to share those stories. Go to localchurch.com slash good news. We want to hear what God is doing, how God is using you. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. We want to celebrate that God uses imperfect people like us to be a part of sharing this good news to this imperfect and lost and hurting and dying world. And so there's three stories I want to share from that. I want to continue to share them as we continue in this series. But the first one's from Amber White. She was at the grocery store praying about uh, who to give that red envelope to. And when a mom pulled behind her at the gas station and her card got declined uh, for trying to get some gas. And so Amber heard the commotion, went up to her and said, I don't know if you believe in God, but he, he told me that I need to give this to you. And built the bridge and, and gave her that red envelope and invited her to, to come to the food distribution. Gave her all the rest of the money in her wallet and prayed with her. And if, if you have been a recipient of, of that good news blessing this past week here or online, we've been praying for you. 
We believe that, that, that this is the perfect place for imperfect people, but we want you to connect in any church so you can know the love and the grace of Jesus in your life. We're celebrating what God did through Amber. And we also want to celebrate Gail and her family. When they got that good news offering, uh, they, they remembered their neighbor who has been having a difficult time recovering after a, a pretty significant surgery. And so they put all their good news blessings together and they, they had enough money to buy a walker and they gave that to him to let him know that he matters to God and he matters to us. I want to celebrate what God did in Janet Faye's life. When she got that envelope and she began to pray for it, she knew exactly who to give it to. The Holy Spirit put on her heart. She'd been building a relationship with a cashier at Walgreens over the past several months and communicating with her every time that she went to the store. And she, she heard the story that uh, she lost her daughter, a tragic accident, lost her daughter. And then after that, her husband of so many years couldn't take the pressure and he, he moved away and left her all to herself. And so she had been working so hard just to, to make ends meet. And, and when we prayed about that, God put that on Janet's heart to, to go and to, to bless her and to let her know that she matters to God and she matters to us. And, and that's the beauty of what God does. His spirit is with us and he allows us to, to be a part of sharing this good news and he puts on our hearts. So I want to encourage you, if you still have that red envelope in, in, in your Bible or in your car, ask God, Lord, what, what do you want me to do with this this week? And I'm just believing he's going to point you in the right direction so you can be a part of sharing this good news, this hope of salvation in Jesus to someone who desperately needs it. Now, after sharing those stories and, and after doing everything we've done, I've heard this question quite a few times over the past several weeks. Why? Why is our church doing this? Like, what's the catch? Really, what's the catch? Okay, you, you, you gave us money. Was that some reverse way of manipulating us to say, okay, now we got, and so now we have to give? And people are saying, I'm waiting for the week during the Good News series where you can say, okay, now we have to give back. People are wondering, what is the catch, really? Because people aren't that good for goodness sake. Like pe 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 People just don't do simple things like that, expecting nothing in return. Really, what's the catch? And that's what I've titled today's teaching. Really? What's the catch? Because so many of us, because, because we're just skeptical in our nature, when we think of something like this, we say, there has to be some sort of string attached to it. Really, underneath, what is the point of this? And unfortunately, a lot of people, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus, the free gift of salvation, the relationship that we get with God forever, because we're skeptical by nature, a lot of us think, no, what, really, what's the catch, though? Do we really get all of God forever? What's the catch? What do I have to give? What do I have to contribute to be a part of this, to receive this? I want to talk about that today. No, because I know that, that if we listen sometimes to religious people, they seem to have a whole list of things that they say God requires. You want to be part of God's family? You want to be set free? Then here's what you have to do. First of all, you got to be really good. You got to be really spiritual. You got to come to church every single Sunday. There's a list of things that you have to accomplish and you have to give. Like, that's a big one. Anyone ever felt guilty to give in church by show of hands? Let me see. All across. Come on. Perfect place for him. None of you have ever felt guilt. Okay. All right. We have some honest people here. 
When I was growing up in church, like that's kind of what I felt every single time. The, the pastor would say, he had a good heart, but he would say, if you love Jesus, you better give. You can't love someone without giving to them. So as the offering basket goes along, if you love Jesus, you're gonna put something in there. I'm like, I love Jesus, but I don't have anything to give. And so I, I would actually, and I don't recommend doing it. You don't have to do this here. There's no requirement for you to give to be loved by God. But I used to take the offering envelope and I'd just seal it empty and I'd put it in there. <laughs> and it wasn't so much because I felt bad. It's because I wanted people to think I was good. Like, oh yeah, I got my offering today. There it is. I passed it down. There's nothing in there. I wanted people to think I was a good Christian. And that's another thing. Religious people like to say, you got to be good. A good Christian doesn't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang with those who do, right? A good Christian doesn't listen to that music, doesn't watch that television, doesn't wear that, doesn't hang out with those people. And we have this, this list of things that we feel like is required of us, that if I'm going to be a good Christian, I have to do these good things or else I am not good, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to hell. And it gets crazy, I have a friend who's a pastor now who, who told me that when he was growing up, he was not allowed to watch He-Man in his house. You guys remember that show, He-Man? By the power of School. Do you know why he was not allowed to watch He-Man? Because He-Man claimed to be the master of the universe. And in his house, Jesus was. <laughs> There's only one master of the universe, and it's not that cartoon character. Is that really how simple it is for us to be canceled by God? Is that the requirement that if we watch He-Man, we're going to hell? John 5, 39. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think. You think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. We do have eternal life through the message of Jesus. But verse 40, he says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And I think some of us, we've come today with some preconceived notions of what it means to be a Christ follower, what is required of us. And unfortunately, a lot of religious people, they've, they've, They've overcomplicated the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus and added so much to receive God's love, maybe unintentionally. But what has happened is a lot of us believe that, that, that following Jesus and the good news is about rules and rituals when it's about relationship. So I want you to write this down. The good news is not about knowing rules and rituals and routines. It's about knowing Jesus' love. Not knowing about Jesus' love, but actually knowing Jesus' love. Listen to what Matthew 23 says. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes, say scribes, and the Pharisees, say Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe what they tell you, but not what they do. Why? For they preach but do not practice. Verse four, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. 
Scribes in ancient Israel were very well-educated men, and their primary objective was to, was to take the scriptures and to transcribe them so that other priests and other temples would have these scrolls where, where they could recite the scriptures. But they went far beyond simply transcribing. They went far beyond interpretation, and they added many man-made traditions on top of what God said. And the scribes became professionals at spelling out the letter of the law. Here's what it says, but not the spirit of the law. They focused far more on what you need to do, not why, and not who. Pharisees were very similar. They, they were middle-class educated people. A lot of them were priests. And, and like the scribes, they put an inordinate amount of attention on what needed to be done rather than why and with whom. And they focused far more on the works and on the doing, and they missed out on the relationship behind it. And here's what Jesus had to say about the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you. And a modern definition of woe is like, I just can't. Like, really? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across the sea and land to make one single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Well, that, that, <laughs> the son of God is telling the religious leaders, you're children of hell. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. You make sure that you give a tenth of every single thing that you have, but you've neglected the weightier things. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Verse 25. Woe to you. I can't with you. What's wrong with you? Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and dead indulgence. Verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I don't know about you, but whoa. <laughs> I don't want to be identified as a hypocrite. And these scribes and Pharisees, these religious leaders, they focus far more on being good, on doing good, on speaking good, on acting good. But the good news is not about being good. The good news is about being in relationship with God. And so he called them hypocrites. That simply means actors. That's what they were doing. They were acting. They were pretending. They were playing a role. And instead of their, their, their good works on the outside leading people to a love of God, their good works, their hypocrisy, look at me, do what I do, it led people to death. 
They're hypocrites, pretenders. Do you see everything on the outside? Do you see my social media? I look so good everywhere. My kids are smiling in every single picture. Do you see what I've done? And it led people to a love of religion, not a love of God. And I should know because I was a hypocrite. At the age of 16, I surrendered my life to Jesus wholly. And I trusted him. And being in a relationship with him, he, he gave me new desires. He gave me a new identity. The things that I used to do, I no longer wanted to do because I had what I needed most. The spirit of God living inside of me. His name written on my heart. A friend in Jesus forever. A home called heaven. But something strange happened over two years. As my pastor gave me an opportunity to serve and to lead other people, what started off as this childlike desire and this childlike faith to love and to serve my God became a, a desire to be loved and accepted by other people. And I was a hypocrite. And I did everything that was good. On the outside, I was good. I made it my mission to out holy every single person. At the age of 18, I gave 50% of what I made back to the church. And everyone knew it because I told everyone, oh, I don't tithe, man, I go above that. I give 50% because I trust God with everything. I read 22 chapters of the Bible a day, every day. That's reading the entire Bible every two months. I read the Bible six times from cover to cover in one year. What have you done? Every morning, I'd wake up at 5.30 a.m. and I'd pray for at least an hour. You guys praying over your meals. Oh, Jesus, bless my food. I'm on my knees for an hour talking to God before you're even awake. Every Wednesday, I fasted. And I didn't fast a meal. And I didn't fast social media. We didn't have social media back then. But it's like, I'm not going to fast one meal. I'm going to fast 24 hours because I want to be close to God. I didn't watch a movie in the movie theater or anything on television for nine months. Have you seen that new Star Wars movie? No, no, I haven't because I, I, I don't watch that sinful stuff. And did people think I was awesome? Absolutely. Everyone thought, man, Eric is so spiritual. I worked so hard because I was half Korean in the Korean church and I had to impress everybody. So I out-holied everybody. And all the children and, and students that I mentored, I challenged them to be more like me. But I was a hypocrite. I wasn't doing those things to draw closer to God. I was doing those things to be a better Christian. And I missed what was most important. With all of my trying to look good and talk good and be good, I missed the relationship that God wanted to have with me. I missed out on the relationship because I was more focused on all my spiritual routines and, and all my religious behavior. And so maybe this is just for me today, but if this is for you, write this down. The good news is not about doing things to become more godly. It's about being in a relationship with God. The good news, the gospel that we're talking about, it's not about doing things to become more godly. It's about being in relationship with God. We are human beings. We're not human doings. God did not create us to do, 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 do. Again, like I said last week, that's do, do. It's to be, it's to, to be known, to be in relationship with him. And if what you do for God is more for yourself, you are far off. That's called religion. 
And God didn't send his one and only son to give us a rule book that we have to follow. God did not send Jesus. Jesus did not live and die and rise again so that we can all call ourselves religious. He died and rose again so we could be made right with God and have relationship with him forever. Now, I want to make this clear. God did give us commands. He gave us 10 specifically. And these commands were not meant to, to beat us down, but, but to lift us up. These commands are good for us if we put them into practice. These 10 commandments, they really revolve around two things. To, to, to focus on the main thing, to love God and to love people more. And so, yes, God has given us commands that if we obey them, they bless us. But what the religious hypocrites fail to understand is that none of us, no matter how good we are or how hard we try, will ever be able to keep all of those Ten Commandments perfectly. We can't, not on our own. And if you think you can, if you said, I've never broken any of the Ten Commandments, I'm good because I've never committed a crime and I've never broken any. No. You're a liar. And you just broke one. So there you go. James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for it all. We can't. We're imperfect people. We're prone to fail and to falter. We can't do it on our own. I want you to turn to someone next to you. Look them in the eyes deeply, all right? It's, it's gonna be kind of strange if you don't know them, but still do it. Look them in the eyes and, and tell this to them. Say, you are not perfect. You are not perfect. But you know who is? Jesus. Jesus is perfect. And this is the difference between the law and the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The Old Testament shows us the law. The New Testament gives us the gospels of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. The Old Testament says that we are a sinner. We cannot save ourselves. But then in the gospels, in the New Testament, we see, but God made a way. He sent a savior and a friend his name's Jesus. The Old Testament, the law says, you're guilty. No matter what you do, you are guilty and you deserve the punishment, which is death. But the good news of Jesus, in the Gospels, we see that God gives us grace. Say grace. Grace, grace is what God has given to us. Grace is not giving us the punishment that we deserve, but giving us the good of God's. Grace is God choosing not to curse us for what our sin demands, but to save us through his son, Jesus. Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace, grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. You didn't do it. You can't do it. It's by grace through faith. And this is the gift of God. Grace is a constant theme throughout the Bible. Grace is getting the goodness of God when we deserve punishment. And grace is not a principle. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. 
No matter what you think you can earn or how good you can become, none of us could ever do something to get this grace. God freely gives it to us. He loves us so much that he extends grace to imperfect people like us. So here's the big idea. Here's what God requires. Really? What's the catch? Here it is. And I'm going to say this twice, and I want you to hear it first and then write it down, because it's going to sound really strange coming from a pastor at church. Here's the big idea of this good news. God doesn't require you to gather here every week, give money, or get your act straight first. What? He doesn't. God doesn't require you to gather here every week. It's good that we gather together. Don't forsake the the assembling of the people of God where we can come into his presence and be in community and worship him and serve one another. But God doesn't require that you gather every Sunday at church. He doesn't require that you give money. Now it's good, it's better to give than it is to receive. And for those of us who have given generously, we can attest to that. There's so much joy when we trust God with what he's freely given to us. But for you to be part of his family forever, for you to belong, you don't need to give. Or get your act straight first. We're imperfect people. For you to be part of his family, you don't have to go and right every wrong and fix yourself and stop doing what you've done. He'll grow you. He'll sanctify you. He'll give you new desires. But that doesn't come on your own work. That comes when you are in relationship with him. His spirit transforms us from the inside out. All he requires is that you get connected to Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, and to one another. And these are his words, Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Sadducees were a lot like the Pharisees and the scribes, except they didn't believe in the resurrection after death. So they were sad, you see. Ha ha, Johnny, that joke did not work. Sorry. When he heard that the, the sorry, that was dumb. When the Pharisees heard that they'd silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test Jesus. He said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. The second is equally as important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. You want to summarize the 10 commands? You, you want to summarize the 528 plus commandments that the fr- scribes and Pharisees then implemented? It boils down to these two things. That you would love your God and live out that love by how you serve him and that you would love your neighbor. You would love people, but real love does something. So you would love your neighbor and live that out by the way that you serve people around you. That's how we get connected. And I love this. I love that we can come together every single Sunday corporately to get connected 
to, to, to gather together and to sing our songs of praise to a God who's given us everything, that we can serve him by, 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 by working in the parking lot or, or teaching little children, that we can serve him by, by getting in community and serving other people and growing in relationships so we can be all that God has called us to be. That we can get connected here to Jesus and one another and live out the greatest commands. Every single Sunday, 240 people, serve team members, give of their time, their talent, their treasure, their testimony to come and to help make this the perfect place for imperfect people. To come and to serve people so that we can freely worship God and we can grow in relationship with him and with others. 240 active serve team members that make this a perfect place for imperfect people every Sunday. Can I let you know of a little secret about these 240 serve team members? We don't pay them. They get paid nothing. Why do they do it then? Why do people come early and leave late and sweat through their clothes in the parking lot and deal with our little demon children sometimes? Like, just give me candy and sugar. I don't want Jesus. Or we love you. Like, what would cause someone to do that? What would cause a church to freely give? 1 John 4, 19. Really, what's the catch? We love because he first loved us. We love and we serve and we do whatever God puts on our heart to do for him because he first loved us. See again, my kids, there's nothing that they could do to earn my love. They can't. They can't pay my, my insurance bills. They, they can't drive me to the store. They can't do my honeydew list that I need to do at home. There's nothing they can do to earn that love. I love them for who they are. And when they receive that love and they experience that love, even though they disobey me, even though they turn their back, they come back to dad. Dad pours out grace because I love them. And if they do something for me because of that love, if they draw a little picture and say, Dad, here you go. If they make me breakfast in bed on my birthday, even though it's smushed bananas and cold waffles, just put in the toaster for two minutes, even though it may not be what I can do for myself. When they do something for me, it brings me great joy. That's what it means to be in relationship with God. That's what it means to receive and experience this good news that for God so loved the world that he gave his son that I can be in relationship with him. I can be forgiven of my sins because he first loved us. We can love others. I know a lot of us, we came in here today thinking that I gotta come to church I gotta spend time with God or else I'm not gonna be good this week. For whatever reason or however degree you think of that, what, what if we thought differently about this? What if we knew that he wants to spend time with us? How would that change the way that we live in relationship with him? I'll tell you one thing, we wouldn't care about other people's opinions very much. But we would actually care more about their souls 
And, and we wouldn't feel forced to, to, to invite people to church and to share this good news with them. Oh, no, the church gave me when I got, no, you, you wouldn't feel guilty about it. You wouldn't feel like it's something forced or pressured to do. Why? Because you've experienced it for yourself first. We love because he first loved us. And my prayer throughout this series has been that we would be a church that understands that. That he loves us. That he wants to be in relationship with us. And that all that will grow naturally as we are in relationship with him. That we would be a church that's free to love all people. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son. That we would be a church that would freely give. Because God has freely given to us everything that we need. And we've gotten to do that over the past several weeks. We've gotten to give away at this point $45,000 to meet needs and bless people here. Now, now listen, but stop your applause because I, I, I want to I give some context to that. The reason we've done, we've done that is not because we are a rich church that's overflowing with abundance. Far from the truth. You know, the past 18 months have been very difficult for a lot of people here in our church familia. A lot of people have been out of work or, or now taking care of someone who's sick in the family, lowered wages. And, and, and because people are hurting here, it, it affects everything, right? It, it affects the generosity. In fact, before we started this series, we were already $100,000 under what our projected budget was compared to 2020. Remember that dumpster fire of a year, 2020? And so we, we came together as a leadership team. It's like, wow, we're, we're already $100,000 under what do we do? People are hurting. We understand it. It's affecting. And so here's what I love about our leadership team. I'm grateful for our board of directors, our executive team. Instead of coming and saying, okay, $100,000 deficit, what do we cut? How can we do less to reach people with the gospel of Jesus? How can we do less to, to, to connect people to Jesus and one another? That, that wasn't the conversation. The conversation was, people are hurting. God has given us an opportunity. Instead of holding on to what we have, we're going to try to outgive God, knowing we will fail. <laughs> but we're going to take what he's given to us and to help hurting people in this time. So $100,000 in deficit, let's give away $100,000. <laughs> so what that means today is that um, we've already given away 45000 Today, over the course of three services, we have the opportunity to bless some more people in our church familia with another $55,000. So we're going to create some good news today. Kamala Hidalgo. Hey, we know it's been difficult. Can you come up here? We know you had that house fire a few years ago, and it's been hard to recover. And you and your mom, you've... You've been, you've been doing so much, and it's, I know it's difficult, but, but God sees, God knows, and God cares so much about you. And so we want to take that burden off. And so for the next six months, we have uh, taken care of six months of your groceries for, for you and your mom so that you guys don't have to worry about that burden anymore. Natalie Pabone, can you come up here, please? 
you know, it's so good to see you. You used to be a smiling face in the front row every single week, but we know that you had that car accident. And we know that your car has not been fully repaired and it's, it's kept you from, from doing what you love and being a prayer warrior here and giving your smile away. And out of the generosity of the people of God and the goodness of our God, he sees, he knows, he cares. We have an offering of $2,500 to help you with the car repair or whatever else you need to do. <laughs> We also want to give a scholarship today. Hey, Nalia, can you come up? <laughs> Nalia, the way that you serve the kids here, that you give of who you are, uh, when we know your family situation isn't perfect, and we're coming alongside praying with you and your mom for everything that's going on, but we also want to help lift the burden. So we have a scholarship for $1,500 to you. Whatever you want to do with that, you matter to God, you matter to us, Nadia. Ah, man, this one. Ah. Hey, Sherilyn, can you come up? Sherilyn, come on. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it away already, but when you pulled up today, you saw two cars out there. Uh, <laughs> Cheryl, well done, Mom. You have raised up four amazing men and women of God who love the Lord, who are so faithful and generous. They, they all have jobs and they're working so hard and I love seeing them and give away that smile. And it just blows our mind that, that you are being this incredible super mom to these four wonderful young men and women of God with one car. So, uh, because of the goodness of God and the generosity of Church Amelia, we want to give you another car to help ease that burden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next service we're going to give away another car we've given away a guitar and help pay for eye surgery and some other scholarships we're going to be taking care of some more single moms uh, but this last one this last one is, has been something in the making for several weeks and it's been hard for us to, to keep it close but we wanted to celebrate together with our church chameleon none of this is because we're a good church it's because we want to be a church that does what Jesus has called us to do to proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus and to tangibly help people and point them to God while they're here on earth. And uh, throughout the pandemic, more specifically in the past uh, two months, as we've been having our eight at eight Wednesday prayers, we've been seeing this prayer request pop up and pop up and pop up. And, um, is there someone in our, in our church familia that we love dearly? Uh, two people specifically, one of them, she's one of my good friends, 94 year old Betty. We love Betty so much. And then her daughter, Kathy, and they've been putting up this prayer request during our 8 at 8 prayers for a significant need that they have in their family. And as we've been praying for that, uh, the Holy Spirit put on our leadership team's heart, don't just pray, answer the prayer. 
<laughs> so would you turn your attention to the screen? Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.